Good day. I'm evangelist and pastor Derek E. Wilkes, president and founder of the Congregation of Churches. Welcome to our website and welcome to today's broadcast. Within a series of messages that we're labeling Healing Lessons, and we're looking at healing lesson number nine. And today we're looking at the healing of the nobleman's son and the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Let us pray. Father, your word conceived in my human spirit and formed by my tongue and spoken out of my mouth is creative ability that is working for us now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. This is not where either of these healings are found. Uh, yet for a few moments, I want to talk to you about honor. I want to talk to you about honor. I want to talk to you about uh, valuing the words of a man of God, how to value, how to honor the words of a man of God. You need to give those words weight. And I want to show you how to receive, because if you're not receptive, then you're not going to receive. If you're not receptive of the words that are coming forth even today, then you're not going to be able to tap into the manifestation of healing if you're not receptive of the words. The words that are heard are important. We need to be attentive to the words. You know, uh, we find in the book of Proverbs, I don't want you to turn there, but in the book of Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 23, it says, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. We want healthy flesh. I'm confident that you want healthy flesh. Well, it begins with being attentive to the word. We need to be receptive of the words that are being communicated, even today. And uh, what we're going to look at where this healing of the nobleman's son is concerned and the healing of the man at the pool of Bethsaida uh, we're going to find some folks that were receptive of the words. Also, within the uh, communication today, you're going to see that there are people that were not receptive uh, of Jesus' words. And because they weren't receptive, they couldn't receive. You need to be receptive. I want to show you how to be receptive of the man of God by being receptive of the words that are coming forth from the man of God or the woman of God. Matthew chapter 10, and I want you to take a look at verses 40 and 41. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 40 and 41. Praise God, hallelujah. Verse 40, now this is Jesus speaking, speaking to his disciples, and listen to these words. He that receiveth you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. So if you were to receive Jesus' disciple, or if you were to receive the one of whom Jesus has sent, then you're receiving the Spirit of God. 
And if you're receiving the Spirit of God, you're receiving Jesus. And if you're receiving Jesus, then you're receiving the Father. How do you receive the Father? By receiving Jesus. How do you receive Jesus? By receiving his Spirit. How do you receive the Spirit? By receiving the one of whom Jesus has sent. And how do you receive the one of whom Jesus has sent? By receiving his words. If you don't value the words, then you're not, re you're not valuing the one of whom Jesus has sent. And if you're not valuing the one that Jesus sent, then you're not valuing the Spirit of God that gave him those words to communicate to you. And if you're not valuing the Spirit of God, then you're not valuing Jesus. And if you're not valuing Jesus, then you're not valuing the Father. Notice what Jesus says here again. Look at verse 40 again. He that receives you receives me. So if you don't receive the man of God that Jesus has sent, then you're not receiving Jesus. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. Verse 41, and he that receives a prophet in the authority or the name of a prophet shall receive the benefit of that office, shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, specifically, it uses the word prophet here, but everyone, anyone that speaks for God is a prophetic voice. I'm talking about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher. Anyone that speaks for God is a prophetic voice. And uh, so if you receive the man of God in the authority of that office that he comes to you in, then you'll benefit from the anointing that's on his or her life. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We need to know how to receive. And this is going to be uh, significant to our study, important to our study. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it will be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Now the Amplified Classic says it this way. It renders it this way. The measure of thought and study that you give, you, that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue, power, virtue, and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides. Now, virtue, when you find the word virtue in the Gospels, it's referring to power. When you find the word virtue in the epistles, it refers to moral goodness. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue or power and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides. And so we need to value, you know, to value the words that you hear are to give weight to those words. If you give weight to the word, you're valuing the word. If you're valuing the word, then you're honoring the word. If you're honoring the word, then you're being receptive of the word. If you're being receptive of the word, then you are receiving the person who's communicating those words. If you receive the person who's communicating those words that Jesus has sent, it's a divine connection a mentor, a spiritual father, a pastor, then you're also receiving the Spirit of God. You're receiving Jesus. You're receiving the Father. It's important that we are receptive. And sometimes we want to jump right to manifestation, but we don't want to, we shouldn't want to jump right to, man, you know, certainly you desire manifestation immediately, you know, manifestation of healing, manifestation of finances, manifestation of restoration, manifestation of something. But What's more important than the manifestation is the word. 
the word. Glory to God. Go to Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Here you're going to see how valuable the word is. How valuable the word is. Here in Mark chapter 6, this is, uh, the Gospels are synoptic. You know, they're synonymous with one another. They're rendered in different ways, communicated in different ways. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are synoptic Gospels. And uh, in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 35 or so, uh, initially, verse 18 through 21, Jesus speaks of being anointed. Afterwards, the people wanted to throw him off the hilltop. They were offended because he said he was anointed. And here you have the same uh, communication, but it's rendered a little differently. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And he, Jesus, went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter? We know him. We're familiar with him. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? See? The son of Mary? The brother of James and of Joseph and of Judah and of Simon? We know him. And are not his sisters here with us? They had become so familiar with him. And they were offended at him. See? They were so familiar with him. You know, they seen them build their coffee table. They seen them build chairs and put things together. He was a carpenter. And they had become so familiar with him that they didn't honor and appreciate and give value and weight to that anointing that was on his life. This is Joseph's boy. How can he be anointed? You know? And so they didn't respect and appreciate the anointing. They only knew him after the flesh. You see? And, uh, now notice what it says in verse 4. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet, a man of God, is not without honor, but in his own country, and amongst his own kin, and is in his own house. Country, kin, and in his own house. He's without honor. And he could, not he would, but he could there do no mighty work, except he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about the villages teaching. The solution to unbelief is teaching. Why do you guys teach so much, Pastor Wilkes? Well, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease amongst the people. Notice he, before he administered healing, he taught first. He preached first. Why? Because faith comes out of hearing and hearing by words from God. Praise God. And so, you know, you can't have harvest without seed. The word is seed and it has to be sown into the soil of the heart so that the capacity to believe would be there. And then once the belief capacity comes, then you could release your faith for the manifestation of whatever it is that you desire. And the anointing would remove the burden and destroy the yoke. Praise God. And so here, they were not receptive of him. Let's back up. They weren't receptive of his words. They weren't receptive of him. They weren't 
able to receive of that anointing that was on his life. He was anointed to teach. He was anointed to preach. So if you don't receive those words, then you're not receiving the anointing that comes with those words. You're not receiving him. You're not receiving the father. You need to be receptive. Be receptive. Receptivity is going to be key to creating an atmosphere for manifestation. Be receptive. Be receptive. Glory to God. Say that with me. I am receptive. I am expectant. I am excited. Glory be to God. Now, let's go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're getting closer and closer to our destination here. John chapter 1. In the beginning, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things healing, no matter what it is that you need, all things were made by him. And without him, God, the word, was not anything made that was made. Glory to God. If you want to begin anything, whatever it is that you desire to begin, need to begin, want to begin, you know, whatever it is, you should begin with the word. You begin healing with the word. You begin prosperity with the word. You begin relationships with the word. You begin marriages, businesses, companies, promotion. Whatever it is that you want to begin, begin with the word. Jesus is the word. Now, of course, we have the written word, but Jesus is the living word. Look at verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, we saw a, a, a rendering of that over in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. His own received him not. They didn't receive him. They wanted what was in his hand, but they didn't want him. They didn't want him. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he something. To as many as received him, to them gave he something. What did he give them? Power, ability, anointing to become something. And so in order to have the ability or the anointing to become something, you have to first receive him. If you don't receive him, then the anointing is not going to be available enabling you to become something. If you're going to become what you like to become, then you need to be receptive of that anointing. That anointing is flowing through the words that's coming forth through the sent one. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now, let's go over to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Look at verse 11. John chapter 2 and verse 11. This beginning of miracles. This is the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. This is the beginning of miracles. The first miracle that Jesus performed was right here in Galilee. Cana of Galilee. Now keep that in mind. And uh, you'll see this illustrated from verses 1 through 10. Uh, Jesus turned the water into wine. And then in verse 11, it shows us that this was the first miracle, miracle that took place in Cana of Galilee. Now let's go to John chapter 4 and go to verse uh, 54. John 4 and 54. Look at verse 54. This again is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. So now he's in Galilee. 
and he has just performed his second miracle. Now, what miracle, Pastor Wilkes? Did we leap over the second miracle? Yes, we did. And you'll find the second miracle from verses 43 through 53, and that's what we're about to look at right now, the healing of the nobleman's son, which is the second healing that Jesus performed, and it took place where? In Galilee. Why Galilee? Because people in his own hometown were not receptive of him. And so he had to go elsewhere where people would be receptive. Now notice here in verse 43, John 4 and verse 43. Now after two days, he, Jesus, departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. We saw that in Mark chapter 6, remember that? We saw it in John 1.11, remember that? And we've been talking about how to receive for a few moments, uh, just getting ourselves prepared for what you're going to see here. If you're going to receive, then you need to be honorable where the words are concerned. In order to be receptive of a man of God, then you need to be honorable where hearing the words that are coming forth from that man of God. Honor those words. How do you honor the words? Giving value to those words. How do you give value to the words? By giving weight to those words. And in doing so, you're honoring those words. You're honoring that man of God. You're honoring the spirit of God. You're honoring Jesus. You're honoring the Father. Now notice here, verse 45, then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. They received him. Having seen, uh-oh, now, 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 uh, remember this, this thought here. Having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem, at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. What feast? The feast that we saw over in John chapter 2, where he turned the water into wine. They were at that party. They were at that feast. They were drinking some of that wine. They were there. And they saw, S-A-W, capital S-A-W. They had seen, capital S-E-E-N, the miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, in, in Galilee. And so now he's here in Galilee, and they, again, he's here in Galilee again, because he was there before when he, when he turned the water into wine. Now he's here again, and they remembered that. They saw that. Now, where is their faith? Their faith is in what they saw. This is not uh, believing something based on the word alone. This is believing something based on what they saw. So they are sense knowledge believing. That is to believe something based on what you can see with your physical eyes, hear with your physical ears, smell with your physical nose, taste with your physical mouth, touch with your physical hands. Sense knowledge belief is practically unbelief. Sense knowledge belief. But then there's heart belief. That is accepting God's word as being true, independent of sense knowledge evidence. And so this is not something to brag about, notwithstanding this is why they were believing. They had seen something. They had seen something. So now notice here in verse 45, let's look at verse 45 again. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Now that's nice. I'm glad to hear that. But now here's where it kind of goes sour. Having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem, at the feast, for they also went unto the feast, you see. So Jesus, verse 46, came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, this nobleman was also at that wedding. He was also there. And, uh, you know, he was there when Jesus did this. And now, notice what he says. 
Verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto Jesus and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So he wants Jesus to literally come to his house. I need you to come to my house. Come to my house, Jesus. Come there. I want you to come to my house and, and administer healing to my son. Come. Come now. All right. Then Jesus said in verse 48, except you shall see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Except you shall what? See signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say, except you shall see signs and wonders, you will not believe? Well, you remember what happened in the previous verse, in verse 45. Uh, the reason the Galileans received him is because they had seen what he had done. So Jesus is just echoing the way they think anyway. In verse 48, he says, except you shall see signs and wonders, you will not believe. They need to see something. Otherwise, they wouldn't believe unless they had seen something and can perceive something with the senses. But Jesus wants to develop your faith. He wants to develop my faith. And he wants to do what's best for this man's faith. What would be best for this man's faith is not to go to his house. Say what? Hold up, hold up. What would be best for this man's faith is to give him something to believe. What would be best for your faith is to give you something to believe. That was That would be what's best for your faith is to give you something to believe, to give you some words to believe. That would be better for your faith than for you to have to see something, perceive it with your senses in order to believe it. And so here, Jesus said, said unto him, uh, now listen to what the man says in verse 49. The nobleman said unto him, sir, come down here. My child is dying. What did the nobleman say? My child dies. My child dies. My child dies. So what is the nobleman believing? The nobleman is believing that his son is dying. My son is dying. This is what he believes. Now notice Jesus' immediate response in verse 50. He said, go your way, your son lives. Six words. Go your way, your son lives. Go your way, your son lives. Jesus believes something different. This man believes one thing. Jesus believes something else. The man says, my son died. Jesus says, your son lives. The man says, my son died. Jesus says, your son lives. Jesus is a faith man. Your son lives. Jesus is not going to speak unbelief. Your son lives. And the man believed. Whoa. And this is what was necessary. Jesus gave him something to believe. And the man believed. He believed the words that Jesus had spoken unto him. Now, sometimes you'll hear words and you might not believe it. Sometimes you'll hear words and choose to believe it. You get to choose whether you're going to believe the words or not. And so these words came forth and he chose to believe the words. The words had value. If he, if, he, if he had not received the words, then he's not receiving Jesus. If he doesn't receive Jesus, then he's not receiving the Father. If he doesn't receive the Father, he's not receiving of that anointing that was available to bring healing to this nobleman's son. Praise God. And so Jesus says, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Verse 51. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Glory be to God. Now look at verse 52. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, your son lives and himself believed and his whole house. This is again, the second miracle that Jesus did when he came out of Judea 
into Galilee. Now look back at verse 52 for a moment. And, uh, excuse me, look back at verse, um, is it 52 that I want to look at? Yeah, verse 52. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. Amend. Isn't that something? The hour in which he began to amend. What does that tell you? That means that, that tells us that healing isn't always instant. The manifestation, now listen to what I'm saying very carefully. The manifestation isn't always instant. The manifestation, what did I say? The manifestation, that which you can perceive in this physical realm. The manifestation isn't always instant. The manifestation isn't always instant. But that doesn't mean that the power of God didn't begin to work immediately. Underground, where you can't see the power working. At the root level, where you can't see the power working. Just because it's not an instant manifestation in the sense realm, doesn't mean that it didn't begin immediately in the unseen realm. Whenever you decide to believe the word of God, the power of God, the power of God begins to work immediately in the unseen realm. It may be a day, maybe two days, maybe two hours, maybe three hours when you see manifestation in the physical realm. But something had begun in the realm of the unseen at the moment that you believed the word. Glory to God. So the power of God was working the moment the man believed. Yet he he that process to manifestation, there was a process. He began to amend. It didn't happen all at once. He began to amend. So healings aren't always instant manifestation, but the power begins the moment you believe. You said, Pastor folks, do you have other scripture to support this? Well, you remember Jesus spoke to the fig tree and a day later, the fig tree was withered up at the root. The day before when Jesus spoke to it, the power of God was working underground where you can't, you couldn't see it. And a day later, they saw it above the ground. They saw the evidence above the ground. They had some above the ground information, but the day before there was some underground information and Jesus knew that it was working underground, although no one was able to see it until a day later. So don't assume that the power of God is not working because you don't see any manifestation. Don't assume that. Now let's get into the next healing that we want to include in this particular session. John, right here in, in uh, verse 54, just go up one more verse. Chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, at the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, impotent, without power, blind people, halt people, withered people, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season, into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. So stop there for a second. So no matter what you had, you could have been healed of if you got into the water first. But if you didn't get in first, then you wouldn't have been able to get manifestation of healing. And so you have five porches around this pool and there were all kinds of sick people laying in those porches around that pool. And whoever could get in first would get the manifestation of healing. Okay. Verse six. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had now been in that way uh, for a long time. And he said to the man in verse six, will you be made whole? Now, how would Jesus have known that this man was in that state for a long time? The word of knowledge. It's the gift of the spirit, the gift of the word of knowledge points to the present and the past. 
Glory to God. Say that with me. The gift of the word of knowledge points to the present and the past. Say it again. The gift of the word of knowledge points to the present and the past. And so Jesus knew by the word of knowledge. Now, he wasn't operating as God. He was operating as a man anointed of God. All right. Now, I want you to hold your finger here in verse uh, six. And I want you to jump down to verse 19 for a second. Look at what it says in verse 19. Then answered Jesus, he was, you know, we're going to end up coming to this, but I want you to see this. And said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, he, the father, these also doeth the son likewise. So Jesus only did what he saw the father do, only said what he heard the father say. And so this is how he knew what to say. This is how he knew what to do here in verse 6 that we just looked at. How did he know uh, that the man had been there for a long time? The Spirit of God gave him that, that wisdom. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord gave him that. The Spirit of God gave him that. And uh, why did he call out this man instead of the others that were around there on those porches? Because this is the only person that the Spirit of God led him to. He's being led of his father. And so Jesus is our example of who we are in him. He's a pattern of how we do the works that he did. And greater than that, we are to be led of the Spirit of God as well. And so now look at verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. I have no man. Stop there for a second. I have no man. Well, you do have a man right in front of you. Jesus. Now, uh, there are times when you need not put your eyes on man, but then there are times when God will send you a man. But when that man comes, you need to be receptive of those words that are coming forth from that man. Because if you're receptive to those words, honor those words, value those words, give weight to those words, and you're receiving the man of God, you're receiving the spirit of God, you're receiving Jesus, you're receiving the Father, and you're going to receive the manifestation of what you came for or what you desired. Praise God. Now look at verse 8. Jesus saith unto him, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Seven words. He said to the nobleman's, uh, the nobleman, six words. Here he gives this man seven words. We need words to believe. We need words to receive and believe and act on. Glory to God. Honor the words. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to stop right there. Uh, I believe that you have a gist of what the Lord is wanting to get to you. And uh, I believe that you're ready to release your faith for manifestation of healing. Praise God. Say this with me. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body. Say it again. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body. Say it one more time. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body. I'll take it from here. In the name of Jesus, I curse you, Satan. You take your hands off of this man. Take your hands off of this child. Take your hands off of this woman. Take your hands off of this family. Take your hands off of this business. Glory to God. Take your hands off of this entrepreneur. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I call you healed. I call you well. I, 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 I call you whole now in the name of Jesus. Say, I receive that. I receive. I receive. I take those words. Glory to God. And I 
am healed. Say it again. I am healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm the evangelist and pastor Derek Wilkes. It's all the time.